It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the program. It is August 26th, and thanks so much for listening. The show is made possible by fantastic people who just so happen to be patrons of the show, like Matthew and Kim, EZ, Daniel, Lisa, Janet, Eric, Lori, David, and Stephen. I appreciate the support. I couldn't do the show without you. They became patrons, and you can too by visiting thepetecalendarshow.com and clicking on the link. Uh, the show is also made possible by uh, some local advertisers, local clients, local sponsors like Mattress Man, Chuck, who owns Mattress Man, great guy, really supportive of the program. Uh, when we started it up, he said, just uh, sign me up. He didn't even uh, didn't need to know anything else. He said, I just want to support you and support the show and uh, and the people, the community that we're building here. And so I'm, I'm so proud to have him on, and I'm honored that I'm an ambassador for his, uh, for his store. Um, it's a great store, too. That's very helpful. When you sell a great product like Mattress Man does, like, for example, the Biltmore Collection by Restonic, made in Fayetteville, um, it's very easy to tell people to go to this store. I went there. Before I ever did any advertising for Mattress Man, I was going to them, and I got my mattress from them. Christy and I got a foam or memory foam king size mattress. We love it. It's the most comfortable bed we've ever had. And uh, I highly recommend you go there as well. They have a triple zero deal going on right now. Zero down, 0% APR financing, zero payments for 90 days. All at mattressmanstores.com. See all the inventory. They have a queen size gel memory foam mattress for $3.99. Free bedding bundles, including sheets, protectors, and pillows with the purchase of select mattresses. They ship nationwide. And uh, they have local five-star delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. So Donald Trump has failed the QAnon test, according to the New York Times. And here is what occurred at a press conference the other day that prompted this uh, this editorial by Jeffrey Cabaservice, who is the author of Rule and Ruin, the Downfall of Moderation and the Destruction of the Republican Party. Here is the clip uh, that uh, he's picking a fight with the president over. During the pandemic, uh, the QAnon movement has been appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate. But I don't know much about the movement. Uh, I have heard that it is gaining in popularity. And from what I hear, it's, these are people that when they watch the streets of Portland, when they watch what happened in New York City in just the last six or seven months, but this was starting even four years ago when I came here, almost four years, can you believe it? Uh, these are people that don't like seeing what's going on in places like Portland and places like Chicago and New York and other cities and states. And uh, I've heard these are people that love our country and they just don't like seeing it. So. I don't know really anything about it other than they do supposedly like me and they also would like to see 
problems in these areas, like especially the areas that we're talking about, go away. Because there's no reason the Democrats can't run a city. And if they can't, we will send in all of the federal, whether it's troops or law enforcement, whatever they'd like, we'll send them in, we'll straighten out their problem in 24 hours or less, okay? Well, at, just okay. Point, at the crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Or well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? You know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. We're saving the world from a radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when this country is gone, the rest of the world would follow. The rest of the world would follow. That's the importance of this country. All right. So uh, this has uh, really angered this fellow, Jeffrey Caviservice at the New York Times. Uh, he says, past Republican leaders knew better than to allow the pathogens of extreme conspiracy theories to infect the political bloodstream. The conservative movement that now dominates the party always had a dark side, but its leaders understood that conspiracy cults are lethal to the social trust on which democracy depends. QAnon represents the same kind of threat to the Republican Party that the far-right John Birch Society did in the late 50s and 60s. David Harsani is a senior writer for National Review. He's the author of First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. Welcome back to the show, David. How are you? Always a pleasure. I'm fine. Thank you. Good, good. So I, I meant to ask you also, how's the book doing, by the way? Has it seen a resurgence of interest given these uncertain times? <laughs> uh, it's a slight bit. You know, I, I think I see more of a resurgence during like Father's Day or Thanksgiving on, on the gun book. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there are, there will be a lot more interest as we move forward. You know, there's 5 million new gun owners this year, and that's that's the biggest surge in American gun ownership in history. Oh, wow. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So uh, Christmas is coming. So this is a great Christmas present uh, for the gun owners in your life. But that's not why we had you on. Uh, we wanted to talk about QAnon. So first, I need to ask this. Whenever I discuss QAnon, I need to ask, are you Q? Are you the one? Are you Q? <laughs> no. no. And I, I have to <laughs> preface all of this by saying I have the barest or the, the most <laughs> minimal understanding of what any of that's about. It just sounds like... You know, it's not something I really want to spend a ton of time diving into. I just know it sounds crazy. A lot of it sounds crazy. I agree. And what uh, what little research that I have done, I wouldn't say little. I've done I've done a fair bit just to understand what it is. And I've had people call into the radio show at various points trying to walk me through some of this. And what here's like my impression of it is basically numerology. It's you, you can make anything fit anything because everything has multiple meanings or none, depending on what you need it for at any given moment. Uh, that's my assessment of what this thing is. And at its core, I think it's just one big grift by a couple of people who uh, sell memberships or something so people can get advanced uh, advanced access exclusive content to like the tips or something <laughs> i don't know oh man yeah it's amazing it's always a, gri it's always a grift at the end of the line right <laughs> <That's> right <laughs> there always is that's true so uh so there's a lot of outrage because donald trump uh failed to well as the new york times op-ed by jeffrey cabas service he says uh, trump has failed the QAnon 
test uh, because he was asked about uh, uh, whether or not he supports QAnon or whether he supports these Congress people who uh, who they support QAnon. And he did not immediately, you know, disavow, reject and smear these people as QAnon adherents. Um, and so this you had, a, uh, I thought, a really interesting piece because uh, this idea that there are crackpot conspiracy theories out there, this is not something that's just of the right. <laughs> this is there's a universal ability to go down the path to lunacy. Um, and you cited one of the ones that probably young kids probably don't even know about 9-11. This was a big one, though. I'm old enough to remember this. 2006, right? Democrats and probably still do. A lot of them think Republicans had something to do with it. Right. I should should also just quickly say about Donald Trump, I think that what happens with him is that if someone likes him, it doesn't matter who it is. That's how he, you know, that's how he reacts and judges you. It's like, it's never about the thing, right? It's not about Q or not Q. It's about whether they like him. In the same way, if you don't like him, He's going to attack you it, like so everything revolves around. So you can ask him about anything and he's going to say, you know, oh, you know, they like me, so they must be OK. <laughs> right? He doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what QAnon is or anything like that. Um, and again, I want to just say I think it's the wrong answer. I think you should have just simply dismissed them immediately, as has Pence and many other leaders in the Republican Party. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you uh, listen. So now every. There's stories all over the place. Politico, you know, the QAnon has gained a foothold in the party, and right. it, you know, basically makes it sound like the whole party's been taken over. It's it's just a fantasy, first of all. Secondly, um, they never never treat their crackpots in the same way. And you you mentioned the 9/11 truthers. You had over 50 percent. I think it was 20, 20, 2006. Uh, a poll showed tw- half of half of Democrats believe that uh, George Bush had something to do with it, either knew about it, didn't do anything, or, or you know wanted it to happen, whatever it was. Um, and other polls confirmed that over the years. There's an immense amount of uh, conspiracy theorizing going on among Americans. They believe all kinds of things. I mean, I can't tell you how often I meet people. And they seem completely normal to me. And then all of a sudden, they'll say something completely outrageous, you know, some weird, you know, thing, I, you know, that I can't even really put together. So in the same way, there was birtherism in the same way that it, this probably goes back to ancient Greece, right? So I, I think that people believe those things because it helps them make sense of randomness and, and the world around them. And uh, I'm not sure what we can do other than, you know, try to point out that it's nuts, um, but only one side is expected to do that all the time. So a couple of things you said there that I think uh, warrant amplification, which is that I think it is absolutely an attempt to make sense of chaos. I think just our brains are wired to want to find a way to do that. And uh, with like 9-11, for example, uh, I think I've always believed when I've talked to many, many truthers over the course of the last 20 years about this, that it always strikes me that they can't bring themselves to believe that 19 people could have done that, right? There has to be some grander conspiracy because otherwise it's pretty terrifying that 19 people can do something like that. Um, that's a scarier proposition than a grand conspiracy, whereas I would think the grand conspiracy is way scarier <laughs> to me, right? Because some, some passengers on a plane could stop the 19. If it's a grand conspiracy of government... I mean, we're screwed. Well, I mean, I think that most of the time, yeah, I mean, if these conspiracies were true, the world would be a terrifying, far more terrifying place for me. But it is true that 
you know, the most obvious answer is usually the answer. Mm -hmm. People who are terrorists hate America, wanted to, 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 you know, do something very dramatic and violent to the American people. And this is what they came up with. It's easy to kill people, sadly. And, uh, and, and, and you can do it. And, and it has been done. And terror, you know, terror has existed forever. I mean, when you think about the Holocaust and just the amount of people involved in, in World War II and the death and destruction, it's, it's massive. So I'm not sure why contemporary people can't wrap their brains around something like 9-11. I mean, don't get me wrong, when it was happening, it was a surreal and, and weird time. But, you know, it just makes it's like the Kennedy assassination. You know, people can't wrap their heads around the fact that some commie <laughs> wanted to shoot the president who was anti-Cuba. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. And uh, yet, I think some huge number of Americans still believe there is a conspiracy there as well. The moon landing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the birtherism. Um, also, this was I had totally forgotten about this, too, which is crazy because it really was. Uh, I think it really set the tone for all of the elections since. But the 2000 election there was a great example that you brought up uh, that George Bush stole that election. And go ahead and set the record straight. You do in your piece. And so for folks who still may, may be laboring under a delusion that that, you know, Diebold or Diebold, I've never known how to pronounce it, that they stole the election for Bush or something. Um, yeah, go ahead and, and set the record uh, yeah, straight. Well, Diebold was 2004. Four. That was in, yeah, that was in, uh, you know, Kerry in Ohio. And everyone was talking about the machines. And that's the mailbox thing now. Now, listen, not all these conspiracies are equally, uh, you know, odious or nefarious or whatever. I mean, 9-11 is much worse than thinking Bush stole 2000, at least in my view. But they, they were more than one recount. I think eight, eight media organizations took, participated in a recount that incidentally allowed the Gore standard and the Florida Supreme Court standard. And we don't want to go through the whole fight again, <laughs> I hope. Um, but they allowed that standard. The standard of the dimple, you know, the dimpled, you know, uh, Chad, uh, right? The hanging yeah, Chads. Chad, and the yeah, the Chad didn't even have to fall off. It just had to be, dim, you know, a dimpled right. paper or whatever. <laughs> and they went with that standard and Bush widened his lead in each one of them. So it, it's 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 simply not true that Bush stole that election. I'm not exactly sure what, what people wanted him to do. Every count went his way. Was he supposed to step down because he was a Republican? I really don't understand how that was supposed to go on. But then let's talk about the Russia collusion. I mean, the Demo Democrats will not concede that a Republican has won an election since, um, I guess, George, you know, the George Bush, the elder. So mm -hmm. um, it's and who knows, maybe I was too young. Maybe there were conspiracies going on then as well. It's basically meant to delegitimize their presidencies, and uh, it uh, with Trump, they've spent four years doing that, which is incredibly destabilizing, though, for the society because now you're undermining the confidence in the election outcomes. And when you have enough people, you hit a critical mass, and then people believe that there's no point in holding elections at all. It's incredibly dangerous, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm writing about this. I'm going to write about this next week or maybe later this week. I mean, it is the most dangerous thing that's going on right now. And, and, and sadly, both sides participate in it to some extent. But, you know, there is nobody who after I mean, neither side after this election is going to to believe they actually lost. It's either going to be about the mail ballots for Trump or the Russians and et cetera for the for the Democrats. And that is one of the good things in this country has been that we you know, we hand over power in a peaceful manner over and over and over again. Uh, and that seems to me, I mean, I'm sure it'll be peaceful, but it's going to be really messy. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting, too, because 
discussing the 2000 election, I remember after that, the county where Charlotte, North Carolina is in Mecklenburg County, I remember being a reporter and sitting through all of the Board of Elections uh, purchasing votes and stuff to get the new touchscreen voting machines, right? Because we had to get rid of the paper ballots. And so everybody moved to the touchscreens. And now <laughs> everybody's saying, no, go back to the paper ballots because touchscreens yeah. are, they're the new way that people are going to rig the election. Like, guys, come on. Like, just pick pick an argument, you know, pick a standard here and just be consistent. Well, you make, you make a great point. I mean, there was a big push for electronic voting. And then in 2004, everyone was like, the machines are rigged for Republicans. So now everyone wants mail again. And let, let's be honest, every election that doesn't go the Democrats' way, they claim there's suppression of votes. I mean, if, I, if, if you don't have election officials going to someone's house, picking them up and driving them to the <laughs> ballot station, it's suppression. It never ends. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You, you have to make voting so easy that I don't even know that we can ever reach that kind of level of ease. I mean, they don't want anyone to make any effort to vote anymore. It's just it's, it's an incredibly ridiculous standard to demand. And one that can never be met. And until it is, though, they can always claim, you know, you know, there was a suppression of, of the vote. Right. Um, on conspiracy theories, you write in your piece at National Review. It's no surprise that in 2018, a YouGov poll found 67 percent of Democrats believe it is definitely true or probably true that Russia tampered with vote tallies in order to get Donald Trump elected. So this goes beyond just the, uh, oh, the Russian troll farm bought a bunch of fake accounts and uh, and spammed Facebook with some memes, right? This is people believing that the Russians actually went into the, into the systems and, and changed vote totals. Yeah, I mean, it was a complete breakdown of our institutions in the sense that the media did nothing to temper the, the moral panic that was going on. They actually helped it cr- to create it for, I'd say, two years, and then they sort of stopped but never really apologized or corrected themselves or anything like that. And uh, people today walk around, and they maybe they believe it, maybe they don't. It's hard for me to tell that, you know, that they pretend that the Russians, you know, stole the election, when there's not a shred of evidence that that's true in any way. And the idea that we can shut down the entire country and not allow a single meme to, you know, slip through <laughs> on Facebook or Twitter is insane and we have free will so so i'm i'm probably in a, in a big minority on this and i don't like when other countries involve themselves in our democracy but i say so what so what you have the the power to vote for wherever you like and you're going to see some things and you can believe them or not but that is not if we start saying that elections aren't you know genuine because people have seen memes you know dropped in here from china or iran or russia we're never gonna have another election that's ever going to be you know legitimate my guest is david harsani from national review um you know how important your website is to your business right now more than ever you want it to turn up in search engine results you want it to look good you want it to be professional user friendly and you probably know how to run your business probably not so much on the website design and the maintenance though. So call my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can solve a lot of your website's problems. Professional services, corporate, small business, entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He does logos, he did mine. Go to SchaeferSmith.com, get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. 
what is the deal with the anti-Semitism and socialism intersectionality? What, what's going on with that? Because you mentioned this, you go into some detail about this sort of conspiracy alignment uh, on the left that's never really discussed either. And and I just I kind of wonder, like, is there something about socialism and anti-Semitism that they just they just, like peanut butter and jelly go together? So all the time, I don't understand. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I, I could um, I could uh, probably I, I don't know if anyone would buy it, but write a book about this, I think. I mean. The idea, you know, socialism and anti-Semitism have always gone together. Now, yes, you know, people will point out to me that many communist and socialist leaders were Jewish, but of course they have gave up their Judaism to, to, to embrace another religion, and that is, of course, socialism. Marx himself, who was a descendant of Jews, a very famous rabbinic Jews, was, was himself an anti-Semite. Uh, he said the God of, uh, you know, the Jews is money. And that is basically, in many ways, though sometimes, you know, diluted or, or said in other ways, what the left believes now. Sometimes they drape this hatred in anti-Zionism, anti-colonialism, things like that. But they do not like, you know, there's plenty of anti-Semitism on the left. And we have two, at least, full-blown anti-Semites in Congress, and they're not Republicans. And we have around 10, perhaps more, People have participated events with the Nation of Islam and Farrakhan, who is a, not just an anti-Semite, but a massive conspiracy theorist and an America hater. And no one ever asks them to apologize. No one ever, you know, you know, no one ever says they've gained a foothold in the Democratic Party or anything like that. I mean, not no one, but no one in the mainstream media. And uh, you know, we just move forward like that doesn't happen. But because there are five candidates who are QAnon folks, and I think only one has a chance of winning. The entire Republican Party is now culpable for what they say. You know, so I mean, this, this is sort of a skewed way of looking at the world. Is there the is there a legitimate concern among, or, or should there be a legitimate concern among Republicans that you've got a a member of Congress who believes in this QAnon stuff? Yeah, now I should, you know, I. I I, I always forget to mention this, and then someone will say, look, Harsani didn't mention, you know, how bad QAnon is. I wish that this person wasn't coming to Congress. I think every leader in the Republican Party should denounce conspiracy theories. I think it is harmful for the Republican Party, because every time she says something ridiculous, they're going to go ask every senator if they agree or not, and it's just a distraction as well. So, yes, I mean, I wish this didn't happen. But the idea that this is unique is, is just not true. There have always been Ron Paul was a conspiracy theorist. Cynthia McKinnon, who was in, I think she was from Georgia, was mm -hmm. a huge conspiracy theorist. Ilhan Omar is a conspiracy theorist. And, you know, there are others as well. I mean, we call them, I say conspiracy theories kind of like a lazy way of saying a crackpot or someone <laughs> who believes, you know, ridiculous things, because it's not always about a conspiracy, but they're around, they've always been around. And I, I liked a lot of what Ron Paul said, but he also believed a lot of crazy things. So um, it's just been part of politics forever, and it's probably not going away anytime soon. Well, now what's the latest is the mailboxes, right? The stuff with the Postal Service. Mm -hmm. I, I like, I, And I'm watching this, and I, I, I've spoken with people about it, like experts on Postal Service policy. Did you even know there was such a thing? Um, that I, and I, and, and I asked exciting. him like flat out. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, said, he said he's got groupies chasing his minivan, just throwing garments of clothing at him all the time. But uh, <laughs> it, it's just, it, it's bizarre to me that you have people that are available that you can talk with about whether or not these things are true. But I understand like a lot of it's in service for a partisan end. 
But there are others that are now, I mean, they're on the hook for this stuff. They, they're they in. They believe that Trump is, like, calling up the, the postmaster general saying, you know, take that mailbox out of this district so this way people can't mail, mail their ballots against me. Um, Listen, I, I, I think that when you have a conspiracy theory or something, whatever you want to call that, the media actually have a responsibility to look into it, to either debunk it or say there's something there. Yeah. And instead of doing that, they immediately jump on board and they, you know, frame it in a way like they're asking questions. But really, they're just fueling the the moral panic over things like mailboxes. You see pictures of just idiots, you know, chaining <laughs> themselves to the mailbox like someone's going to come by and grab it for them. And you have celebrities like, look at this mailbox shut down and. I, I was thinking, I don't even know where a mailbox is. I right. haven't mailed a letter in like 20 years. And I want to destroy the post office. I right. want to, you know, I do. I mean, you know, I wanted to destroy it long before this. I just don't think it, I think it's an antiquated institution. We don't need it anymore, et cetera. But the idea that, um, you know, he's trying to flip the election in this way, it's just nuts. And then they do this other thing, which isn't exactly a conspiracy. They demand something like more money for the post office. And when you don't give them what they want, they say that you are, you know, suppressing the vote or trying to destroy the post office because you're not um, giving in to their demands immediately. And that's then the issue is framed in that way, which is very dishonest. It's kind of like how they call things that they do. Like if they want a law to exist and it doesn't, they call it a loophole. Like, you know, until the law they want exists, it's just a loophole. <laughs> so, um well, yeah, because it works. It works off an assumption that their position is the correct one. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're just waiting for this to pass. Until then, it's just a you know crazy loophole in the in the law. So Linda Sarsour, one of the founders of the Women's March, you mentioned this. Oh, and I, I should I meant to point this out earlier because I think in an earlier discussion we had a few months ago, um, I, I asked you, is this is this just what aboutism? And I believe you said that you're a you're a believer in whataboutism. You, you're a fan of this. Huge. I'm a huge fan of whataboutism. I'm not a huge fan of whataboutism if you're making excuses for the other, yourself, but I'm a huge fan of keeping people consistent because you can't have two sets of rules, and that's what we live by right now. I'm sorry. I think Donald Trump exists as a politician because there are two sets of rules we're expected to play by, and you can't keep doing that. People will not do it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Right. So so the women's so the women's march, this is a what aboutism argument. And I think it's completely legitimate as well that she, along with uh, what's her name, Tamika Mallory, I think right, they they uh, have said some really uh, what, what's the word problematic things, especially Sarsour. She's um, it gives off every impression that she's a rabid anti-Semite. So, yeah, uh, and they get a complete pass of any kind of examination by what, you know, the legacy media outlets. Right. If, you, if, if by problematic you mean insane Jew haters, then right. yes, you nailed it. Um, because not only are they Jew haters, a lot of them, I don't know all of them, but, you know, and because, listen, I don't really care what your intentions are, to be honest. If you believe a historical or revisionist history that frames Jews always as the evil and always as the, you know, the perpetrators of evil, then you are, you know, then you are just functionally an anti-Semite in my mind, and I don't really care that on, on some other hand you're for social justice or whatever it is. And that's what these people do. Um, at least the three or four, four who started the Women's March, which you will remember was celebrated widely in the media as some kind of great event, 
without anyone being even mildly or any major reporter being even mildly skeptical about the people who are, you know, who are, who are running it. I mean, they had people, you know, they would uh, have speakers like Angela Davis and, you know, <laughs> get into her. It's terrible, you know, and, and no, you know, and, and no one would ever, you know, note They'd note her as a radical or something, but they'd never note that, you know, all the terrible things she said and did. So mm-hmm. um, the left is very and the left is another thing when there are crazy people on the left, they pretend like it has nothing to do with them. But yet the, anyone on the right who's nuts, any Nazi who's marching is immediately connected to the right and the right has to immediately denounce them which is a way to make you take ownership of what they're doing. You know what I mean? I don't have to denounce Nazis, excuse me, every time. Um, it's, 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 it's known that I hate Nazis, right? right. But, you, but you make me always take possession of them and, and say like, oh, no, you know, these Nazis are not with me. You know, where, where they never have to do that with Ilhan Omar, who to me is no better than an alt-right person. So... Anyway. Well, yeah, and look at what Richard Spencer just came out and endorsed Joe Biden. And, oh, that was just rich, just watching everybody pretend that now this doesn't matter. But I'm old enough to remember when he was lumped in with the right and people on the right were, were looking at what he was espousing and saying, guys, he's a big government socialist. Like, he's just a racist one, right? Uh, I'm happy you mentioned that, yeah, because, you know, when, when, when something like someone like him endorses Trump, it becomes a big news story. CNN has him on to explain things about Trump, right? But the other way, and I think it's unfair, but it's, it would be unfair the other way too, but of course, you know, it's deployed in one way and not the other. I mean, I think it's not fair to Joe Biden just because Richard Spencer says he likes him doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean anything, but it right. also doesn't mean anything that he likes Donald Trump either. So, Well, it was cited as proof that, you know, Donald Trump might yeah. not be a racist, but all the racists like Donald Trump. Exactly. And so what do you think it means? Again, another conspiracy there, right? There's just without making an actual assertion there, it's formed as a question to lead you to a conclusion that they want you to arrive at. Um, and uh, and finally, I want to ask you, and we touched a little bit on this, but you, you conclude your piece talking about trust in legacy news media and and institutions. Uh, and I, I, I agree. I think this is really the problem that we don't know who to trust anymore. And I think COVID is a perfect example of it as well. Nobody knows what is true and what is not true because nobody trusts any of the institutions that we used to be able to rely upon. Uh, and, and, and again, I think this is really bad for our society. Yeah, it's terrible in a way. I mean, usually you would have a conspiracy theory, let's say, gain popularity and the media would would say this isn't true and then people would say well or at least they wouldn't talk about it out loud and you know because it was not there was a stigma attached to believing idiotic things but now um no one trusts the media to do that because they sometimes participate themselves in spreading them but also they don't trust them in general because they're partisan and uh and that's a that's that's a big problem so i don't know how to fix that problem my my idea is that you know conservatives need to build their own big media institutions, and that's the only way to fight back. But uh, it's a problem. And it's also a problem, I have to say, when the president says, oh, I like those guys because they <laughs> like me. And, uh, you know, and that, that creates an, uh, a culture of, that just makes everything a little more partisan. I don't think anyone's innocent uh, completely in this, in what's going on. But I also would say quickly, just before I go, that we shouldn't exaggerate how important these people are in general. It's not like Ilhan Omar is writing policy right now, and it's not like the QAnon person is going to write policy either. But it is it is corrosive in general to, to rhetoric and to, to our politics, but it's not like these people are running things. 
Right. Um, it, you just got to keep an eye on them. So if they start ascending yeah. the rungs of power, uh, but by then, I guess the argument could be made that by then, maybe it's too late. They've become so powerful, you can't take them out. Um, by then, we move to New Zealand or, you know, <laughs> or actually, I don't know that there's any place left, maybe Greenland. <laughs> right. What's the exit strategy? Belize? I've heard Belize, but I think uh, I think that's everybody's exit strategy now. So I'm not really sure. <laughs> I've been to Belize. It's wonderful. I don't know if I want to live there. Oh, okay. You're the first one I've heard to uh, to reject Belize as the I as the bunker. Belize. <laughs> Belizeans should not be mad at me. I don't reject their country. I just think that this is the we have. A, I don't know that they have the institutions to support the kind of work I like to do down there. <laughs> well, that's true. not a lot of think tanks going on in Belize, I guess. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, thank uh, God for that. I mean, they don't, they don't even have maybe Wi-Fi. So anyway. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the remote, uh, the working from home in these uncertain times would be much more difficult. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, David Harsanyi is a senior writer for National Review, the author of the book First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. And you can follow him on Twitter at David Harsanyi. And as always, uh, David, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you again uh, in the future. Hope so. Thank you. Speaking of the future... Nobody knows what it's going to bring. Might as well be prepared for it. That's why you need Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, Tim at Old Grouch's has an expanded line of first aid kits, so you'll be prepared for all kinds of emergencies, whether it's a scrape, a cut, a gunshot wound. It's going to have step-by-step instructions that anybody can follow. Maybe avoid a trip to a hospital where you might pick up the COVID. Uh, He's got body armor as well. All kinds made to NATO specifications. These are for in-store or over-the-phone purchases only. And he also has face masks. They're made by a local family, disabled veteran, uh, who got really hurt by the, uh, the the lockdowns. And so this is what they're doing to try to make ends meet. They make these out of military parachutes. They are lightweight and soft. So uh, go check out oldgrouch.com or go on into the stories open Monday through Saturday in downtown Clyde. Tons of real U.S. military surplus for more than three decades. Old Grouch's military surplus. Uh, it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun on Main Street, downtown Clyde, and at oldgrouch.com. I'm going to circle back to that post office conspiracy uh, topic in a minute, um, but I also want to get some uh, perspective on the uh, Republican National Convention that just started up, uh, and I want to welcome back to the program to discuss that and some other things, including the mailboxes, Congressman Patrick McHenry from the North Carolina 10th District. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Pete, great to be with you. So, um, first off, the convention, um, the Republicans thought they were going to be, what, in Jacksonville for a little while, and now they're, uh, they went back to Charlotte, but now they're done in Charlotte, and now it's all just remote, uh, and so, I don't know, this is kind of a weird year for a convention, and, and uh, you know, w- what do you think so far of, uh, of how it's been going? Uh, well, I mean, the production value is better. I think the speeches were uh, mostly better than... Uh, what, what we get from a normal convention. Um, but it is so different when you don't have a crowd there. You don't have the cheers, you know, the feedback. Um, uh, and we also don't get to show off North Carolina in the way that a, a, a real convention would. But but I would say, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm biased about it. But the, 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 it, it looked like a better program um, and got the production values, the, the, the just – just sort of the generic stuff of last week's convention, Democrat convention versus this week, 
clearly this is a better better produced convention and that's before you even talk about the content being so much better i was really impressed with the first night's lineup of speakers um the stories that they brought the way they told their stories uh and i think the the nature and the lack of quality of attacks that i saw afterwards um leads me to believe that they landed a whole bunch of solid punches because there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, I saw one quote fact check that said, well, Nikki Haley lied when she said that uh, we, we or Obama and Biden gave John uh, gave uh, Iran a plane load full of cash. That wasn't true. And then there was like a report in their own newspaper that actually did have that information. Right? <laughs> yes. That it actually, it did happen. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, a, a, a pallet, pallets full of cash returned to Iran so they can fund terrorists. Um, no, but but I think that that also shows what um, when you tell the story about the economy that 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 Republican policies, conservative policies put in place uh, or or helped facilitate is probably the better way to say it. Um, I, I think the stories, the powerful stories of people's lives being changed for the better because they got to keep more of what they're earning because their uh, health care options were better, uh, that they had more control over their lives. I think those are powerful stories that make a huge difference. Stories are huge. Yeah. I mean, we human beings remember stories. They move uh, cultures. They move history. And uh, I think the more and maybe that's part of the problem, uh, you know, the Republican party has had for a while uh, is that they is the inability to tell stories in a way that i don't want to say tugs on heartstrings but you know has some sort of an emotional appeal a lot of times i think maybe republicans and i know i'm speaking to the you know to a finance guy here but right, uh but uh i i i think maybe the that sort of draw has been lacking to some extent and maybe that's why the first night's lineup was so powerful so good. Well, uh, enough about stories. Let me show you a spreadsheet here. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, no, Let's you, talk you, tax you, policy, right? <laughs> right. No, it, th that that is a big problem here, which is you're trying to, you, uh, as conservatives, we we don't want to draw on emotionalism, and uh, and the 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 fact is, people don't care about. Uh, the the line the written line written word of of a policy they care about the, its effects right mm -hmm. so when you're talking about safety well you can get into a mundane policy healthcare mundane policy what is the effect what's the net effect can am i going to be healthier am i going to be safer right um that's really the story. So if you're talking about somebody's life being adversely impacted, negatively impacted, that's a powerful story. And positively impacted is also a powerful story, but you have to knit it back into the why, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, for, for policy, right? So why do I believe in lower taxes and less regulation? Well, why? Because I think people, by and large, will do better if they get to, with their dollars, then the government will. I, I believe that people can make decisions in a healthier way for themselves and for their families and for their communities uh, better than uh, a distant bureaucrat can, at, now, no matter how well-meaning the, the regulation is. So how do you actually 
take this obscure regulation out of Washington that that you know I've spent two years trying to carve policy on this stuff. Nobody cares about the, the fact that it take, took me two years to go change like eight paragraphs. <laughs> they don't care about that. Now, they care about the fact that if you want to open your coffee shop, you could actually um, you can actually get a loan faster because of what I did, right? What is that going to do? Well, it's not going to change people's lives. It's not like the next Google Kids or something like, uh, you know, starting Google or Facebook. It, it's it's actually something very achievable for, for the average person to understand um, that you can get a loan uh, because of my work, not because of uh, of the you know eight paragraphs of policy. We'll have more with Congressman McHenry in a minute. First, uh, I got a question for you, business owners. How are you cleaning and sanitizing your place to ensure that your workers and customers are safe? It can be a lot of work, and I have a solution because that's what I'm all about: solutions. The Karcher Misting System with Vital Oxide Disinfectant and General Equipment Rental in Weaverville is your source. Okay, you need the Karcher Mister from General Equipment Rental. It's safe for kids and pets and food contact surfaces. It uses an all-in-one hospital-grade EPA-approved germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and deodorizer that kills 99.9% of infection-causing bacteria and viruses, as well as mold, mildew, and fungi. No rinse required. It's non-toxic. It's hypoallergenic. It's odorless. It's colorless. It's 100% biodegradable. It does everything. It's super easy to maneuver as well. You got four independent wheels, so it rolls all around. It's cordless, and you just spray everything down, and uh, you rent it once a week, and uh, it's good for 10 days then. So you rent it, you spray everything, and you're sanitized for up to 10 days. All you got to do is spot clean the high traffic areas. The Karcher Mister at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental. GeneralRents.com. Think outside your toolbox. Um, I was asking uh, the other day, uh, we were talking with some of the audience about... Um, you know, why don't Republicans protest like Democrats? And usually the answer is like, oh, we're working, we're, you know, we're at jobs. And but like, what is at the core of that response? It is an idea that if you, you know, work hard, play by the rules, you'll be successful, you'll be able to take care of your family. And what is at the heart of that idea is a belief in the system and that the, that that there is faith in the system as a good one that fulfills its end of the contract, right? And it, because otherwise nobody would do these things. Um, and maybe like this is the the dichotomy between right and left. There are a lot of people that that are optimistic about that system being able to make their way in that system. And then you've got a whole group of the population that does not have any confidence in that mechanism, in that system. That's interesting. And I think that is that is a very um, well, that's something that as a conservative, I, I don't even have enough perspective to, to see that. Yeah, right? It makes me Until, sad. You, yeah, it's like sad if right? people don't believe that. Right. But it, and, and so when you said this, when you just said that, you're exposing me to new information. I, and and it seems it seems silly that I say it that way, but it's it's so obvious now that you have said it and i didn't see it before right before before you you explain that but that is the fundamental here for for us we have an election system we know that we can make our voices heard and we know that by and large we'll get about what we want uh not perfectly 
And you have others that say, well, no, I, 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 you know, they may go out and protest, but not vote. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that's a skewed sense of citizenship uh, (laughs) or, uh, right. Sort of a, um, an uneducated view of citizenship is how I, I would view that. Um, or you think that, you know, uh, throwing rocks um, is the way to get results, right? Mm-hmm. And that to me is, you know, uh, it's, you know, w- what's a powerful protest? Well, the powerful protest is when harm is committed to you, you do no harm back. And that is so powerful because it is so um I mean, it's so risky, it's so dangerous, it's so painful, it's so awful that we all instantly go to that person who's being harmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who is who is being harmed by the by the actors, um, and so um, uh, you know that's why you know when you think of Gandhi, when you think of uh, Martin Luther King Jr., they did something that was even stronger and bolder and um and 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 more valiant i would say yeah they didn't go out they didn't go put on gear and try to beat people up they went out and said no we're gonna be peaceful and we're gonna we're gonna walk along and if we are hurt we are we're exposing who they are not and 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 exposing who we are right right and in mlk's case it was to hold that contract accountable, right? To hold the system accountable for the promises that it makes. And if you're going to treat people equally, well, I want equality and I'm working within the parameters of that structure of that system. So why are you beating me up? I'm seeking redress. Yeah. And it becomes, it it becomes something people can then believe in and agree with. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, if you're saying we're all equal and I'm standing here, (laughs) not committing, Anything, uh, not an illegal act other than being, uh, look different, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, isn't that a hell of an example? Well, yeah, it is. Um, and, and that's, I, that's the, the, the nature of that bravery is, is different than somebody who puts on, you know, a, a helmet and brings a baton for a peaceful protest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, and wears a, and wears a mask and goggles out there. And they said that they're there to, you know, make their voices heard for, you know, I'm like, I think, I think we clearly see what you are. Right. Right. We, we, we've heard you for 80 days. Like we, yeah. we, we are aware of the message message received. Now, if you need to hear this message, Rowena Patton and the all-star powerhouse team buying or selling the only agent I would call. I don't know if you need to hear that right now. If you do, take down this number. 333-4483-MountainHomeHunt.com. 333-MountainHomeHunt.com. And uh, she is the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. Uh, this is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions, going to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retired. Give her a call, 333 333- 4483mountainhomehunt.com. Christy and I are using her to buy our new house. You should too. Buying or selling, same number, 333-4483-mountainhomehunt.com. Call her and then start packing.
All right. So I need to ask you, Congressman McHenry, first off, uh, are you part of the uh, the troops that go out and steal the mailboxes or lock them up as part of the, the Trumpian plot here? Uh, do you have orders to steal mailboxes or load them into okay. your vehicle? Um, I, <laughs> well, I, look, Pete, I don't, I don't, I don't think I should say this publicly, but you know, um, you know, it's amazing. I, it, so, you know, the, the postal vehicles, they have designed those postal vehicles, um, that we all see like, mm-hmm. you know, the little low vans or whatever they, they are. Right. There's a name for them. The postal service had those designed in the late sixties, early seventies, and at the time that they did this, it was a sign of innovation. It was truly a sign that they were a competent, they were, a, you know, an amazing, uh, an amazing function of our government, right? Um, and now I, I saw, you know, drive down, driving down the highway just a week ago, and I didn't get, I'm driving, so I couldn't get my phone out to take a picture of it. But there was a truck that had three of those things on the back of it to be repaired. Are right? you sure it's to a, be repaired or was they, were well, they taking? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't see, I did not see who was driving. It might've been the president. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it, I don't know. It could have been the family part of the, one of the family members. I don't know. Um, but, but the, 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 the crazy tune conspiracy theory here that Louis DeJoy, right. Who, uh, got appointed, uh, as, uh, is postmaster general to go fix the economics of the postal service and to renegotiate contracts with third party, you know, the third party folks they carry for, Mm -hmm. right. Meaning, um, meaning Amazon. Yeah. The bulk mailers. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what he went over there to do. And they're like, well, he went over there to slow down the mail I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. It's, it's, this is in an absurd Washington. This is the most ridiculous conspiracy that I've seen. Um, and it's like, it, it's, it makes Mueller, the, the Mueller conspiracy look like small. <laughs> like, or it, like you, you could at least say, well, I mean, I could see how, I could see how if you, if you piece together like, like, it, you have a beautiful mind, like from that movie, right? Right, right. And you, right? <laughs> or and Charlie Day, together. the Charlie Day. Uh, yes. Yeah, the bulletin board with all of the <laughs> yes. yarn connecting everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Yes, exactly. That is one of the. That's one of the best gifts out there. Um, so it could be something like something like that. You're like, well, maybe no. Like you still can't even do that, right? Um, so I, I went back to D.C. to vote on that absolutely stupid bill um, that does nothing because the postmaster general said, look, I'm not going to change any of the sorting machines or we're not going to change um, or people pick up and drop off and everything else. It's absolutely crazy. Tunes. Now, my theory on this. So, yeah, uh, my theory on this is looking at. Uh, it, so if you're a Democrat, you're Nancy Pelosi here you look at the lack of enthusiasm for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. right? And, the, and, the, and there, was a, there was a lack of enthusiasm for Hillary Clinton. So they had Democrat vote, the votes, their, the, the, the assumed turnout that they thought they were going to have did not happen because Hillary is weak. 
And so they they're worried about Biden in that same way. So I think this postal conspiracy is about juicing their votes and getting them, uh, you know, getting them um, mad agitated. to go vote. Yeah. Yeah. Agitated. Oh, all right. I, th- I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. That that doesn't actually sound unbelievable at all. I like that's probably the wow. case. <laughs> That's, right. That's so, more than likely what's to, going on. <laughs> well, I didn't want to go. Th- this is not full conspiracy. This is like this is very much Democrat strategists worried about voter turnout and knowing that in 2016, that was exactly why. That's why Hillary Clinton in the final weeks of the election was going around these campaign stops and saying, you know, um, that it was talking about abortion. Right. You, that That's not a common thing you hear from politicians is spouting like a a a very polarizing Mm -hmm. social issue in the final week of an election and that was exactly they had to get their people out and that's what they wanted to do um and so you know um and that's what they that's what they've been doing to trump right is that he's gonna basically i don't know i don't i i I haven't watched the the series where that you know that basically everybody gets um 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 uh, what are the, the, the basically they're dressed up like nuns what what's the what's the name of that they're um, dressed up like nuns oh yes the, uh, oh gosh I'm, see that the, what, what a cultural landmark that was like a year ago two years ago yeah handmaid's yeah. Ta- handmaiden's tale Hand, yeah, yes, yeah handmaiden's tale right. there we go <laughs> yeah and how quickly even, we've forgotten <laughs> yes and I don't even I couldn't even remember the name of it so uh, much less with what the heck they're wearing but um yeah it's like it's all these theories that you know um of what trump's gonna do it's like give me a freaking break you can catch the entire interview with congressman patrick mchenry at the patreon page the links are in the description uh also at the pete show.com that's a wrap for this episode i appreciate you listening thanks so much for all your support we'll talk to you later don't break anything while i'm gone 